From WSCFM and HD1 Columbia, I'm Wardjalis, and this is Headline. Coming up on this week's episode, we talk with USC facilities, what differences students can expect on campus this year, and how public spaces and transportation will change to prevent the spread of coronavirus. USC's Chief Operating Officer Jeff Perkins will join us to give us those details. And WSC Internal Affairs Correspondent Aaron Slowey will give us some insight into some other big issues. Also, two USC filmmakers and how they've been spending their time during the pandemic. We get a sneak peek at two of their films and what inspired them to make very unique movies. All that and more right after the day's headlines. Live from WSC News, I'm Erin Slowey. As South Carolina continues to grapple with increasing coronavirus cases and many school districts aiming to send their students back to school in person this fall, many continue to call for the governor to pass a statewide mask-wearing ordinance. While over half of the states in the U.S., including neighboring North Carolina, currently have a mask-wearing ordinance in place, South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster has left it up to local governments to make those decisions. WSC's Ward Jollis reports. South Carolina has now surpassed 1,800 coronavirus deaths since the start of the pandemic and has reported over 96,000 cases, almost 1,300 of those being reported just yesterday. However, officials at DHEC warn that the real number of cases could be over 10 times that amount. South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster still hasn't imposed any mask-wearing ordinance for the state, despite backlash from the public. While the number of new cases of COVID-19 has been steadily decreasing over the past few weeks, DHEC officials are still warning the public to take the pandemic seriously and continue social distancing until a vaccine is developed. Orjalis, WUSC News, Columbia. Incoming freshmen and aspiring sorority sisters will begin moving into their residence halls this weekend, but the coronavirus pandemic could complicate the sorority recruitment process. As WSC's Julie Crosby reports, the recruitment process for incoming Greek Life members will look very different this year. With Panhandling recruitment fast approaching, U of SC's campus is beginning to welcome back students. Panhandling members began moving into their houses in Greek Village on August 4th, but the question still remains, what exactly will formal Greek life recruitment look like this year? The Department of Fraternity and Sorority Life details that the first and second rounds of recruitment will be virtual. However, when looking at the third and fourth rounds, there is no confirmation about whether these events are virtual or in person. On the official Panhellenic Instagram, there are guidelines for in-person recruitment events. Recruitment counselors, known as PIKIs, are required to take the temperature of all potential new members when arriving to the events, masks are required, and CDC guidelines will be followed. With recruitment starting August 10th, the Department of Fraternity and Sorority Life has still yet to announce what format bid day will take place in, with that date for the event set to August 23rd. With WUSC News, I'm Julie Crosby. It's tax-free weekend in South Carolina. WSC's Forrest Tucker has more. If you're planning on going shopping in the next few days, you can look forward to saving some money at the checkout line. Tax-free weekend runs today through Sunday and gives South Carolinians a break from sales tax and any local taxes. Tax exemptions apply to clothing, school supplies, and computers. But if you do not want to shop in-store, there's no need to worry. Exempt items sold online are also tax-free. However, if you're going to shop in-store, the Department of Revenue is encouraging patrons to practice social distancing while shopping. 
For a full list of tax-free products, visit dor.sc.gov forward slash tax-free weekend. Forrest Tucker, WUSC News, Columbia. In Minneapolis, activists calling for abolishing the police department face a major setback this week. As WSC political correspondent Sarah Hudock-Jeffrey reports, the new initiative, which could replace the Minneapolis Police Department with community-led programs, face some challenges regarding the city's charter. On Wednesday, the Minneapolis Charter Commission decided to block a controversial policing proposal from the November ballot in a 10-5 vote by invoking its right to have more time to review it. The proposal would have given voters in the city the chance to decide to abolish the police department or not. One major hurdle to the proposal is that the city charter requires that the city keeps a police department with a minimum force based on the population. The plan, written by five city council members, would have ended the charter's rule and replaced the department with the Department of Community Safety and Violence Prevention. Charter Commissioner Andrew Kozak claimed that the commission didn't believe the voters would be able to make an informed decision on the proposal. An organizer with a local activist group, Black Visions Collective, Sophia Benrood, said, quote, People in Minneapolis have been in the streets for months demanding change, only to hear from the Charter Commission that there haven't been enough studies and consultants. When white supremacy is the law of the land, it is a luxury to say, quote, We need more time before we can make a change, unquote. There's a chance it could still come before voters next year, but this decision is a huge blow to local activists. Sarah Hudock Jeffrey, WSC News. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 44 points, the NASDAQ is down 140 points, and the S&P 500 is down 10 points. It's currently 91 degrees outside with thunderstorms in the area and a low of 73 tonight. The high for tomorrow is 91 degrees with a low of 73. I'm Erin Slowey, and you're listening to WSC News. Thinking about grabbing a bite at your favorite lunch spot? It may be getting easier for you, but for many residents in Richland County, that's not a choice on their menu. Meals on Wheels serves people who can't access food, and COVID-19 has doubled demand. You can help by driving or packing food. Find out how to safely serve at MealsOnWheelsAmerica.org. Hashtag I Pledge Columbia. Hello, Meals on Wheels. Glad to be back in Columbia, seeing friends, heading back to class. Unlike other colleges and universities, we get to come back. But keeping it that way means keeping your distance. The CDC says staying six feet apart is the easiest way to slow the spread of COVID-19. So stay back, stay healthy, and lead the way. Because nobody wants to go back to Zoom you. Listening to Headline from WUSC News, I'm Morjalis. We are now within two weeks of the first day of classes here at USC, and many people are still questioning whether or not we're ready to come back in the fall. While South Carolina's increasing coronavirus cases have slowed over the past couple weeks, the state is still seeing over 1,000 new cases a day. Columbia has become a hotspot for the virus over the course of the pandemic, but USC is the only large-scale public college in the state to return to in-person classes in the fall. 
University officials, however, continue to emphasize that there will be major changes to USC's campus when students come back. That will hopefully create a safe environment for students this coming semester. Here with me now to discuss some of these changes is USC Chief Operating Officer Jeffrey Perkins. Jeff, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, good morning. Glad to be here. So, Jeff, just to start things off, you know, for students coming back to campus in the fall, uh, what is immediately some things that are going to look different for them as soon as they step on campus? I think one of the things they're going to notice immediately is basically the wearing of face coverings or masks, especially in all the buildings. You're going to see a lot of signage. Uh, The signage is there more to remind everyone. But right now, every building has signage in it, talking about social distancing, wearing a mask, um, you know, be considerate of each other. Um, You're also going to to notice within the actual classrooms themselves is that there will be um, social spacing um, actually marked, there'll be certain seats that are closed off. And so, so realize that we're trying to make it easy for people to understand what the social distancing means within class. And I think the other feature you'll see a lot more of is what we'll call pandemic supplies. Um, you're going to see a lot more hand sanitizing stations. Um, you're also going to see a lot more areas. Um, there's actually, you may be used to them at concerts or construction sites, but we have hand washing stations posted throughout the campus on the outside so people may want to wash their hands and so you're just going to see a lot more um, if you will different levels of protection provided to the students and the staff and faculty yeah you know inside of buildings uh how is occupancy going to be looking i know places like russell house um and thomas cooper library are kind of places that are um you know raising concern right now with students and faculty what are those going to look like well, Russell House itself, and I'll speak from a, a very high level since student affairs will control a lot of that aspect, is they'll be limiting the number of individuals that actually come into the building at any time. There will actually be, if you will, docents posted at the various entrances, and they'll communicate with each other about, you know, this many people have come in, and they're just trying to provide enough spacing for everyone. Also, you're going to notice a lot of changes in the dining areas. Um, no longer buffets. Um, there are a lot of the availability for takeout, um, and that's one thing to stress is on making it much more mobile. Um, there will be a lot of cash-free transactions available for the different areas. Um, Grubhub, we still have the, the Grubhub campus, you know, where you can order. I believe it's 59 cents, and so all your stuff could be ready for you to come pick up at the various locations. But you can see decreased seating um, to try to space people out. One of the items you're going to notice outside the buildings, and we've started already with the Darla Moore Business School, is we're going to set up a lot more tables and chairs outside in different groupings around campus. That will enable people to be outside, smaller groups. Maybe that's where they want to eat lunch. Maybe it's where they want to read a book or study, but to try to get them the additional space they need. Going back to the libraries, you're going to see a lot more of the same type of thing. You'll have basically... Um, limited space areas, people spread apart, tables spread apart, chairs removed. Um, Many people may even inquire about the Starbucks. There'll be one door to enter. I'll be socially spaced six feet around, going up through the counter space and another door to exit. Um, And that's what you're going to know. It's probably very similar to what you're noticing out in the community now. Yeah, yeah. So I know a couple other things that um, 
are other areas of concern. Um, common surfaces, uh, things, uh, places where people move in and out very frequently. Um, transportation is another big area of concern here too because you know obviously a lot of students at the university get on and off shuttles frequently. Uh, how is the university really planning on keeping all of these common surfaces clean? We've actually increased our number of the, if you talk about the general academic space, um, roughly 700 square feet, we have actually added an additional 100 custodians. And we're also going to be entering into additional contracts for other contract services for specialty cleanings, other stuff. We have some existing contracts. And in the industry standard is, okay, what's normal clean? Well, the campus historical cleaning has been at an APA between one, three, or four. Everything's going to be at an Apple one to two. And what that really means at the core of it is the frequency of cleaning, the number of times bathrooms are cleaned. Um, the good thing is we've already trained our custodial staff. They're already involved. They're already on campus doing this. And you're just going to notice a difference. And, and what we'd really ask of most people is part of this cleanliness really is the support of the public. Um, throwing things away in the trash cans, other top items, will just make their job easier to focus on the core cleaning. They're using all approved chemicals that have been cited to help, whether with COVID or other type of items. And so we're following everything that needs to be done from OSHA standards or CDC control. And so you're going to see the frequency of cleaning definitely increased. Now, one thing about individual classrooms you won't always be able to see cleaning staff coming in and out of classes, depending on how fast classes turn over, people use them. So every classroom will be provided additional items that the students or faculty or visitors themselves can use. There will be spray disinfectant. There may be wipes, disinfectant wipes. There may be paper towels. Um, there will be additional cleaning supplies needed. So if you're there and you're like, I just don't feel comfortable. I want to wipe down my desk or my chair again there will be items available for you to do that in addition to the normal cleaning. Yeah. Going to, to the transportation side of things, we actually thought about this well ahead of time. Every bus will be equipped also with hand sanitizers and hand sanitizing stations. It is going to be, if you will, socially spaced. There are signs on the seats. Um, what this will mean is that we've actually increased contractually our number of buses that will be on campus. And we'll have to work that out to see who uses the bus or not. But there may be actually more buses because there'll be fewer people on each bus. Um, and so part of that we will recognize and deal with, um, but we have our existing fleet. And as many people may not know, we've entered into a relationship with the Comet or the uh, Central Midlands Regional Transit Authority that we're actually going to be get, obtaining nice new refurbished buses and brand new buses over this next year in addition to our fleet that will actually replace and so it'll be the larger buses the 40-foot buses not the small cutaways um, so realize there will be abilities the drivers themselves will have access to other things should someone come in and have forgot their face covering um, you know on the very judicious basis they'll say you need to go back in and get it or here here is a temporary covering um, just to keep the fleet moving Wow. It sounds like you guys are really taking a lot of precautions to make sure uh, <laughs> that all these services are clean. Um, are any areas going to be off limits that were usually open before? Um, maybe, you know, areas that invite a lot of people to crowd in the same area. What do you have to say about that? 
there's no specific that I'm aware of off limits. What you're going to see is probably reduced numbers allowed into the library, reduced numbers allowed at any point in time into the Russell House. And so what that will probably do is um, people will probably focus more on the outdoors. And that's what we're hoping for. And or they will probably congregate in different places around campus. Our real focus, and, and definitely you've seen probably the presentations um, by the class president, um, Izzy Rushton, is, is trying to really focus on let's all do our own part and spread things out. But I'm not aware of any, if you will, lockdown or non-locations. There may be certain changes in hours of buildings um, that are still being discussed. Some buildings may close, say, the Russell House. It may close at a certain time as it had been open before. Um, but I'm sure student services, as well as others on academic services, they will work with the various groups of students to make sure they have places to meet and to learn. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of new, there are a lot of new, um, not necessarily restrictions, but requirements, um, suggestions that the university is kind of putting out right now. Uh, For example, testing um, and also mask wearing. Uh, How is the university really planning to enforce some of these new rules? You know, I can speak generally to this, probably more appropriately to this be individuals and student affairs for the student aspect of things. Um, Traditionally for all the employees, they will be, you know, basically through standard HR reviews. They'll be through their supervisors, their employers, deans, and other faculty. So within the classroom themselves, the faculty member, that instructor, always is the person responsible for that room. And I'm sure they will work with students to say, you know, have you forgotten something? Do you need a mask? Do you need a face covering? Um, but other, you know, probably from an enforcement standpoint, it's probably going to fall a little bit more along the lines of the Carolina Code and the um, academic code that the students follow when it relates to students. And so that's more of a student affairs. In general, for the campus, remember, the um, Columbia also has a face covering requirement. And so that adds on to us. Every single one of our buildings has a face covering requirement in the academic spaces. And myself, who's been on campus all the way through this in March, if you'll notice, most people, we wear our face coverings all the time when we're out because we never know when we'll come into contact with someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeff, before I let you go, one one last um, question that I want to make sure I get out of the way. You know, for the students who are out there that are scared to come back to campus, um, they feel like you know, if they're simply walking to class or entering a building that maybe they're risking their own safety, uh, what do you have to say to those students? You know, I, I would look at it this way. I've come on campus this entire time period. And we have other people we work with, employees. We have other students that have actually been off and on campus at different times. Life and safety is one of our number one standards we're going to protect. And so that is it's not our interest to break that at all. And I would not be concerned if my child was coming here. So that's just to let you know is I feel comfortable, comfortable for my family to come on the campus. It's probably one of the safest places to be, actually, at this point. Um, and I believe that if we all work together, wear our face coverings, do our social distancing, and we have one of the greatest student health centers. And so they will help us um, you know, make sure if someone gets sick, we have quarantine places for them. We have care for them. Um, I think this is a good place to come to, and I feel comfortable with it. And so just from my own personal aspect, um, I, I don't have hesitation to come into work every single day. And I walk across campus and I'm involved in the campus. Um, I probably have more concerns, quite frankly, when I 
go to Walmart or to the grocery store than I do having on campus. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for uh, providing me with all this information. Very insightful. Thank you. You're welcome. That was USC Chief Operating Officer Jeffrey Perkins. Also here with me to discuss some more campus updates is WUSC's internal affairs correspondent, Aaron Slowey. Aaron, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ward. Thanks for having me. All right. So, Aaron, any really big updates regarding coronavirus since the last time we spoke? I know uh, the university has made, you know, some announcements on testing. Yeah, so one of the big things that I want to touch on that I think is really rele- relevant right now is because it's 14 days until movement move-in as of Wednesday, August 5th, is that they are still requiring on-campus students to be tested for the coronavirus. And so they have to get tested within 14 days of move-in and submit that testing online in their portal. They are encouraging other faculty and staff to also get tested, but that is not going to be required. The College of Pharmacy is also still working on an antibody test, but we haven't had an update about that in quite a few minutes. Okay, so basically, if uh, you're saying if, if a freshman shows up uh, with all their stuff on day one and they haven't been tested within the last 10 days, they, they're basically going to get turned away. Students will get turned away if they do not upload their testing, their most recent updated testing information prior to coming to campus on August 16th. They will be required to self-quarantine on a non-university facility at their own expense. So the university housing and the university as a whole is really pushing for students, on-campus students, to get tested before they arrive on campus. Okay, so there's a quarantine dorm now. Tell me about that. Yeah, so the quarantine dorm is going to be Bates West, which is kind of a little bit on the wayside of campus. Um, It's mainly going to be students who are showing symptoms of the coronavirus. And depending on whether or not, people always ask, like, if my roommate gets the coronavirus, do I also have to quarantine? I think it's important to know that there's a difference between quarantining and isolating. Um, So if you are diagnosed with the coronavirus, you will have to isolate, isolate. But then if you maybe are in contact with someone, you might just have to quarantine. Okay. Okay. Uh, Any big updates on football lately? I know that, um, you know, a lot of people were upset recently about the Clemson Carolina game. What's up with that? Yeah. So the Clemson Carolina game has been going on since 1909. It's been like 111 years since that game first started. And this is the first year that it will not be played as of right now. Right now, South Carolina will play an all-conference play, which will be around 10 games this year. And they haven't made an announcement about fans yet. Uh, Okay, well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see on that. Um, One thing that um, I think is also very interesting is Russell House just reopened, um, and it looks a little bit different than what it used to. Uh, what, What can we expect there? Yeah, so Russell House just opened this week, like you were saying. I know when I was up there, they had done all these wayfinding and pattern, traffic patterns that you can see um, to really help students mitigate the spread of the virus and make sure that the traffic is running correctly and that there aren't too many students in one place. Yeah. And and do you have any idea how they're going to regulate that at all? I mean... From my understanding is that there there will be people in Russell House that will be trying to help mitigate and enforce the lines and then also just like students spreading out within the Russell House. Okay, yeah. So let's move on a little bit to some events that uh, usually would happen at the beginning of the year that um, we can expect in the next couple of weeks or we would normally expect during the next couple of weeks. Uh, You know, some some big ones, the campus org fair, uh, sorority recruitment. 
Um, and also uh, First Night Carolina. What, what are some of those events looking like right now? So the campus org for right now is going to be a tour. So it's going to be across four days instead of, I think normally it's one or two days. Um, that sign up for student organizations is going to be on the 12th of next week. So they'll be able to sign up for a spot. Not all organizations will get to be in the tour, but there will be some in-person tour that students will get to do. I'm not sure yet about the details. Um, but sorority recruitment starts August 10th. They all start moving in this next week, and that's going to be really interesting because it's normally around 1,500 students that come to participate in the Panhellenic sorority recruitment. So I know for a fact that they will only have 25 potential new members inside the house and 25 active members in the house. So I'm curious to see how they've kind of spread it over a couple more days than they normally do. I'm curious to see how that turns out within these next couple of weeks as they come out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely some events we're going to have to look uh, look at within the next couple of weeks and see how the university deals with them. Um, Aaron, thanks so much for joining me as always. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're listening to Headline from WUSC News. We'll be right back. Stay home. Are you crazy? Stay home. Do your part and stay home. Staying home doesn't always save lives. Did you know South Carolina ranks fifth in the nation for women killed by men they know? With stay-at-home orders in effect, you may feel trapped, isolated, or less safe than ever before. We know domestic violence doesn't stop, even in the midst of a pandemic. Learn how to get help for you or someone you love at sistercare.org. listening to Headline from WUSC News, I'm Ward Jollis. Before the coronavirus pandemic completely upended the everyday lives of USC students, two student filmmakers and finalists at USC's Campus Movie Fest were in the middle of creating a new take on local news in Columbia. Their news channel, called RN Squared, took a humorous approach to local news events. Here's a piece of that here. Clifford Fisher, and this is Father Abraham. We do a, a Christmas show called Jesus Is His Name. With all this animal riding talk, I got a little jealous myself, and I did something that uh, was pretty fun. I rode Abraham. I, I'm here with Abraham today, and he's one of the staples of Columbia. He, he uh, is from the ancestor of the, of the horse. To be quite honest, I didn't know much about Abraham. But before all of the local newscasts, these two best friends, Walker Bristow and Mark Kaplan, were winning awards at USC's film festival, CMF, for two very unique films. And they agreed to talk with me about their two movies that you definitely want to see. Take a listen. Well, Walker and Mark, thanks so much for joining me, first of all, today. Pleasure. It's, it's our pleasure. Yeah, all right. So so before we really get into these movies that you guys created this year, uh, first, tell me about how you guys, you're both not media arts majors, um, got into filmmaking and why you decided to sign up for CMF this year. Yeah, originally we like, uh, we noticed that the local news around Columbia wasn't that good. So 
we kind of took it upon ourselves to make a local news show that you know was better than uh, the the local news that was provided. So I, I hope we were able to do that. Yeah, I definitely can see the inspiration there in this movie with the local news aspect. And listeners will hear a little bit of that later. But first, making a film during Campus Movie Fest is a bit more difficult than the usual process of making a movie, right? You only have one week to put all of this together. I mean, what was what was that like? The week-long requirement is part, part, uh, part of the challenge, is that you have to fit all of it into one week. And to... Uh, go from getting all the shots with Matthew and going out and doing the camera stuff and uh, editing it all and doing it in one week it's, it's uh, tough we thought a lot it was tough because um, the editing you know you go out and you film two three days and then you have two maybe less days to edit so we were pretty much staying up all night uh, the night before figuring out which how to put it all together and make it the best and he's you know difference of opinions but it came out well yeah yeah and so you're saying mark you're saying a little bit like local news Uh, elaborate on that a little bit so what do you mean by you wanted to you're presenting local news here yeah the actually the original uh idea not idea but like the whole premise behind i'll be back soon was that it's a local newscast you know, that's that's where me and Walker got in a big argument was uh, it just kind of veered to the left. He, it looked nothing like a local newscast at the end, and it didn't make any sense. I think what he was trying to say is that we tried, we wanted to dive into what you don't quite see on the local news. Because you see stories, and they aren't they aren't quite what you actually get to see on, on, the, on the big screen. You don't get the full message by just... Uh, some guy going up on the screen and talking about what happened. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, and Walker, your movie, I'll be back soon. It's the it's this movie, um, won a jury award this year, also won um some acting awards, cinematography. It's about these two guys that run into each other at like exactly the wrong time, almost right. Um, and you know, and it's just it's five minutes long but it feels so deep you know and it tackles some really big issues that you know a lot of other movies this year didn't really talk about gun control mental health um and let me just say for listeners before we really um get into these issues uh the score and the sound mixing and the editing for this movie are so good they are so so good i mean just phenomenal um and and, you know we're gonna play a quick bit from the film uh, right now to give listeners an idea of what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, just absolutely phenomenal. Take a listen.
breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Story of mass shooting at the Naval Air Station. So, no, well, no matter how many, no matter how many times I've watched this movie, just every single time, I get chills at the end. I mean, it brings up some really deep issues uh, in just a really short time. So, Walker, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, where, where was the inspiration? Where did the inspiration come from in making this movie? Uh, and what do you think it says to release the movie this year? When we were thinking about it, it was about a year ago. And we were thinking that's about when some of the big, bigger ones happened with the uh, Texas and um, a few of the others. And so we were thinking, what would be a good, um, good way to grab the the viewer and try to you know hone in on that, while also um, making a little bit of commentary about how the news portrays it because I think that is a big problem um, it almost glorifies the bad activity that some people do where we we were trying to show that it's, it's more than that so so we're going to move on to Mark's movie a little bit now um, Mark your movie's called Bean Tuesday uh, and it's about this guy who's obsessed with eating beans on Tuesday, I guess. Um, I don't even know how else to explain it. You probably could explain it better than me. Um, so here's a bit from that movie now. Hello. I'm Matthew Crosby. And I love Tuesdays. Every Tuesday... Is Bean Tuesday. Beans are high in fiber and come in a wide variety. My favorite is baked. Bean Tuesday only comes around 52 times a year. So when it happens, I make sure I get every drop. I could literally put in any clip from that movie. I mean, like, and it would just, like, all of it would be equally weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it's safe for me to say that this movie's pretty silly or ridiculous. Um, and, you know, Mark, tell me, like, what was it like to film a movie like this? To make a movie like this, it was like, I mean, I was just making it at the very last second. I think I made it, like, with, like, two hours, two hours to go because... You know, I realized, you know, oh man, this, I'll be back soon, it's going to be called that, not R and Squared, what, what, what are we going to do? And I wanted to originally call Bean Tuesday R and Squared, but it just didn't make any sense because of the, obviously the title um, being not really news related. I didn't really think about that until it was all clipped together. Um, but it was good, it was a good experience, I had a lot, I had a lot of fun. Um, you know, hanging out with Matthew, I don't really get to do that that often because usually he's like... Um, He's usually behind the camera, but hey, when he gets on camera, it's, He's uh, a stuff. it's a delight. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, this concept, though, for for eating beans on Tuesdays and, like, where, I mean, where in the deep recesses of your mind did this come from, this idea? I mean, were you just, like, two hours before the deadline, you were like, let's make a movie about eating beans on Tuesday? Yeah, kind of. It was like... You know, Matthew's always talking about things sometimes, and I don't really always get what he's saying. And I was like, you know, how can I, 
how can I gamble in front of camera? And the only way I could really do that is if I got him like hitting beans against a can and stuff. And you know, it was it was Tuesday earlier in the week when whenever I was thinking, uh, you know, I think that I haven't talked to Matthew this week, so that's why it like all kind of came together like a. It's kind of like you see you got beans and you got Tuesday. And you put them put them together and then. And then. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like I said before, I mean, both of you guys, you know, neither of you have film backgrounds, um, no media arts majors. Uh, any any future plans for filmmaking? So we're, we're basically kind of moving past the whole news type of thing. We're trying to get into other uh, projects, but, you know, uh, it, we are not going to be able to live together next year. And so we do have we do have other projects in mind. Um, but it, we're going to take some time to figure, figure that out. But yes, yes. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see whatever you guys come out with, um, in the future. I'm sure I'll be hearing about it, you know, maybe at the virtual CMF this coming year, you know, if they, or, or in person, who knows what'll happen. Roommates, good friends, um, and also co-filmmakers. Um, and I can't emphasize this enough. These movies, for people who are listening, are so different. They are very different. Um, and you wouldn't guess that these two roommates who were very close are uh, the ones who are making them. But they're both so good in their own way. Um, and again, I applaud both of you for your work. Uh, if you're listening right now and you are interested in watching I'll Be Back Soon or Bean Tuesday, you can find those movies on the Campus Movie Fest website or on the Campus Movie Fest YouTube page. Walker and Mark, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you, Ward. Thank you, Ward. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Headline. Make sure to tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. for the week's biggest stories. The music for Headline is called Conversation by Broken Summer. Headline is a production by WSC News and is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between the student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. You can find other Garnet Media Group podcasts and student work on garnetmediagroup.org. From WSC News in Columbia, I'm Moore Jollis, and this is Headline.